Hi, welcome to Kineo's Stream of Thought. I'm Jenny Lysett, Marketing Director at Kineo, and this time we're going to talk about the learner experience. Today I'm joined by... Rory Lawson, Account Director. Liz Smith, Lead Solutions Designer. James Corey Wright, Head of Learning Design. So the starting point of today's conversation is the launch of our latest Learning Insights report. Um, We're going to have a look at the themes and what it means for us in L&D. A massive theme that came out of this year's report was um, personalisation and power to the learner. So we're going to have a look at what that means in several areas. Um, What does it mean for the learner experience? How do we deal with that in L&D? What does that mean for how people learn from each other? And do our platforms and systems have the ability to cope with what we need to deliver? What do we think about those themes this year? I think the insights that came through this year were great. Um, Looking back over the years, being involved in this process, um, I thought the marketplace had really matured. Um, A lot of what was being said was really up to date, was really insightful and really, I I think, will help people um, in other organisations get insight to other organisations in terms of what's actually occurring within our industry and what learners are looking for. So I pulled that one out of the bag because I think it's one of the main, main themes that's come through. And I guess, Jenny, that's kind of why we came up with the title as well this year, um, because it is all about power to the people. Learners are really kind of saying what they want and are starting to demand what they want from their L&D teams and from their learning experience at work. Um, and I think all of the themes kind of support that. So I think it was really nice just to see kind of things like um, personalised learning coming through as a key expression. And I think we've seen that externally as well. And what others are saying is that personalised learning journeys and portals that help them uh, or learning experiences that help them um, meet their aspirations on their career journey is really what people are saying out there in the marketplace and that's coming through the L&D teams as they're listening more to their end audience. Yeah I think it's a big tie up between everything kind of people listening more to the trends that are going on in the industry and being more aware of the different um, advances in the technology and what's increasing but also listening more to their learners um, and recognising that people have that familiarity now from going online, using the web, you know, and bringing that into learning as well, recognising what those expectations are and trying to meet them in, in a learning environment as well. Yes, I wonder, it's quite a challenge though, isn't it, getting close to the end users um, because they've it become is. very remote over the years. Um, I wonder if we know what, the, you know, what, what people said they were doing about it to get closer to their users. Yeah, that was one of the interesting things for me from this year's report. Um, We asked uh, the people who took part to say, what did they need to be able to fulfil their learning goals for the coming year? And only 57% said they needed information from the learners. And for me, that's just not enough. Um, You know, how do the other 43% know what it is that they need to deliver if they're not actually asking the learners in the first place? Yeah, from speaking to clients, um, I think, It's one of those challenging areas is actually to get to the front line. How do they do it? How do they make time for those people to actually step forward and say what they need, how they want it, and and all the rest of it? Um, So I think 
we have a role um, from a supply base to um, coach them in the art of possible around this. So, you know, what type of techniques are there that we use when we're interviewing our clients for learning needs and, you know, aspirations around learning design and so on. So I think there are some very simple things that we could impart to our um, clients in terms of helping them do that. Yeah, I think that's all part of the um, design thinking and uh, UX agenda that we're sort of pursuing more um, vigorously this year. Absolutely. Um, it, it, on the manifestation of that, it's about trying to get close to the to the end user. But that actually means talking to them, having conversations with them. But crucially, Rory, you're right, it's access to them. And most projects don't sort of, I think there's a perception there's not enough time or there isn't the opportunity to talk to those end users. And it's a luxury. But actually, it isn't. It's uh, the opposite. It's a necessity. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I wonder if it could be done at an earlier stage because one of the other themes that came up in the report was about being a consultant for your internal client. And people definitely saw the worth in that from looking upwards, I think, to senior stakeholders um, and teams higher up in the business, getting them engaged early on. But there wasn't so much of that looking out at the learners and seeing, getting them engaged in that process as well. So I wonder if that, you know, being a consultant is, is also for your learners as well as for your stakeholders and kind of encouraging that message with our clients as well. So there are some very strong themes coming through in the marketplace and what I was picking out of the report was people have this notion of what an agile L&D is. Um, So I think it's about trying to define that from a perspective of what are all the different components that uh, an agile L&D team does or uh, will do going forward. And what type of services will it employ? What type of platforms will it have? What, how does it deliver a more responsive service to learners? So when we look at thinking about getting in touch with learners, there are some very agile things that you can do around that space, whether it's interviews, surveys, group discussions, uh, working groups, working lunches, to kind of delve into what their needs are around a given topic. I think it's, it's thinking about that and arming um, people with the right tools to be able to interview and uh, assess needs within the business. Definitely, and it's about using the platform and the e-learning to feed that information back. And we've talked to people about how they use last year's cohort to kind of re- re- reassess the learning and see what's going to happen in the next year. And I think we can collect more of that data through the platforms and through the systems, you know, from people completing a quick survey when they finish the course. You know, there's methods of doing that which can be incorporated, which aren't just about um, proving their learning in that particular subject, but will help improvements for the future and for future peer groups as well. And from our point of view, uh, I mean, that constitutes data-driven design. Um, and yeah, so it should drive the designs that we do. Um, there's so much um, data out there, but actually not really looking at it mm-hmm. and using it to shape the uh, the learning experience. There's the data that you gather from uh, the, the actual courses being put out there. You know, quite, it can be really granular, uh, but then also there's loads of uh, stuff. You know, for people, what, what do people search for? Mm. I mean, um, so we're drifting into that area about when you're talking about end users. Um, and personalization. End users can drive their own personalized learning um, in some cases, mm. depending on how much uh, power or how empowered they feel that they are within the, the context of the workplace. Yeah, and it's also about time spent, isn't it? So it's how much time they might spend looking at particular different media types, maybe. You know, if they spend more time looking at video than they do um, with interactions on a screen, that's an indication that, you know, that video is engaging them and, and that can be a positive thing to put more of in the future. And by the same token, when do they drop out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
So if that's the case, and we, we want our learners to be, um, you know, we're talking about self-directed learning, we want to be able to personalise and give some, some sort of power back to the learner so they're in the driving seat. So we need to make sure that our infrastructure is set up for that. Um, and you, you kind of touched on it there. What do people search for? If they search for something, can they find it? Um, if they find it, is it in the right format for them? Um, how do we sort of go about, you know, what's the, what are the challenges there that we need to be aware of? So in, in one of the interviews uh, I conducted as part of the insights piece, um, there was a phrase that came out uh, within one of the audience profiles, which was that technology has changed what they do, um, and they've become very impatient. So when searching for information, searching for learning, um, if they can't find the answers quickly, they won't use whatever product or solutions in front of them. They'll just abandon it straight away. Um, so I think the design of learning has to kind of um, adapt now to think about that. It's, it's no longer the case that you can create large solutions where you bury the answer in the content. You have to break it apart. You have to enable learners to be able to find the information quickly, make a choice quickly so that they can get what they need and then move on with what they're trying to achieve. Yes, yeah, so you have to sort of bring it up to the surface. Um, yeah. Over the last 20 years, we've uh, um, interactive design has essentially been about burying stuff behind links or behind uh, hot graphics and so on and so forth. All that is just dead. Yes. And, and you're absolutely right. Now, when a learner goes in to some content, they need to see what it is that's available in order to be able to make a choice. Yeah, I yeah. like using the metaphor of Spotify and the idea of you know creating playlists because I think it works well in terms of if you know what you're looking for, it's really easy for you to go, you, you can search, you can gather that, you know, the tracks that you like and add them to your playlist. If you don't know what you're looking for, you know, you don't know what you don't know, as they say, um, you might need some curated content for you or a pathway made for you so that you can do that as a first pass and kind of do that. And then as you go through, you're learning more about, okay, so I'm particularly interested in this or actually I've got a bit of a gap in my knowledge here. And then that can help to build up your own personalised journey. But I think, I think it's great for people to be able to search and find what they need. I just think we need to remember that that's not everybody's learning style and some people will want to be guided a lot more and those that are, you know, more junior or, you know, it's their first experience will need a little bit more guidance. So it's also important to have those curated journeys available. So I think when we start to summarise some of the things that came out in the report, um, we saw things like um, a greater need for performance support materials. Um, those type of solutions are driven by the need to find information more quickly and also that they're more effective in helping them apply what they're doing to what they're working on as their job. So another theme around the change in platforms, learning systems, uh, I think what's interesting there is that people have been grappling with this kind of noise around the LMS, is the LMS dead, is it, you know, there are new platforms coming forward, next generation as a term around you know, next generation of learning platform, etc. And I think people are now starting to understand what that actually means. So I think one concept is that the LMS is not dead, actually it's just pushed to the background and that there is an experience layer that's now in the foreground. So new platforms coming through are bringing together all of the information and surfacing information in a way that's more usable for the end user. So it's driven by that end need to find information more quickly or in a structured way. I think there's a concept also coming through which is 
not an old concept by any means. It's people want structure still. They still want things to be time-bound, and they still want things to be put into a certain structure to help them on their journey. They want people to be able to say, this is the right information, this is how you can access it, this is your journey, this is your experience through that content or through that program. Um, maybe program's the wrong word in, in the future. Maybe it becomes more product-based as a term. So we start to use external terminology to express learning like product and so on. So I think going forward, we can start to learn about different methodologies and how those methodologies can be applied to learning development. So whether that's about learning experience design, whether that's about product design uh, or design thinking, all of these things become very relevant as we move forward and they start to create a new skill set. Yeah, um, we were hearing in, in the um, interviews that some people were talking about the range of technical skills you may need now as an L&D professional. They want to be able to produce um, some, some short-form content, so they're having to learn about video editing, for instance. They're having to be essentially a digital producer. Um, in some cases, hiring people with those specialisms already and then helping them to learn about learning and development. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think that's something we're, we're seeing, sort of, you know, that, that jack-of-all-trades thing where you have to learn how to produce content, not just how to make it good learning content. Yes, we're sort of mirroring uh, that at Kineo, in, certainly in the design team, who, uh, you know, are currently called, um, their job roles are is learning designers, but it's, they're more becoming uh, digital content designers, uh, possibly, you know, now and certainly in, in the future. And as a result, they're sort of skilling up um, on, in sort of specialisms across the team. So anything from cur- curation to um, UX uh, to um, filmmaking to uh, audio design and a whole host of skills because those are the skills that they're going to need to be brought to bear. The learning is now arguably becoming one of those skills but not the skill. So just coming back to the platforms, what about what do they need to do? Yeah, I think in the past it's, it's taken much more of a point of view that the um, LMSs were there to provide information for managers and provide a lot of reporting and data. Um, and now people are thinking much more about that user front-end experience and how they um, you know, go in there, get, get the information that they need, be able to carry out those searches and so on. So a lot of people now are using uh, portals, even things like their SharePoints, to create that kind of divide between you know, something that's really engaging, learning, facing gives you a bit more uh, flexibility in terms of using graphics and video and so on, um, but then leads into um, a system which can keep all that data behind it. So it's balancing those two things really for me. It's definitely a theme, isn't it? The, um, and Rory's touched on it. You've mentioned it earlier. The whole thing, you know, about this kind of it's it's a balance, mm. and that there's a, there's a, we must be careful that we don't sort of uh, just zoom straight over to consumerville, if you like, and just assume that everybody wants to. Um, sort of access learning in a free and easy way. Um, then there is this issue of not people not knowing what they don't know, and there is this issue of people wanting um, also uh, objectives and a sense of structure so that they feel they've achieved something, so that uh, measurability and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and in some cases, I think we, we mentioned that um, a lot of people that we spoke to in the reports, they're trying to help their end customer with technology in certain ways, so whether that's um, banking apps or self-service checkouts and things like that, but actually it's about them understanding the technology first. So sometimes it's t- actually taking a step back and, and kind of making sure it's easy to understand for everybody and not having those assumptions that everyone is completely tech literate and knows what they're doing and is going to go into it you know, 
all guns blazing, I think we need to kind of be aware of those people as well. Or even um, uh, enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> I think we described yeah. that in the report as admiring the newness. You know, let's not just sit around and admire it because it's shiny. Let's actually just work out how it works and yeah. what, what practical application it has. Having said that, um, uh, I must admit to confess to sort of thinking at the moment about possible solutions that don't involve um, LMSs, that don't involve anything, um, don't involve ADAPT or any of the traditional sort of uh, mm-hmm. uh, tools that we use but um, solutions that entirely tap into existing apps and uh, social networks and, uh, and, and all the rest of it. You know. So if you want to tell a story, you can tell an Instagram story. Yeah, you know, I think it's about creating experiences, isn't it? So it's about creating... We've had to definitely have some proposals like that lately where we're trying to create a whole experience so it incorporates a number of different activities using technologies or um, apps and so on that people already have access to in that business using the social channels that they already have and just making sure that that experience is, tra- is spread across all those different delivery mechanisms. So it's about all different aspects of communication and how that digital communication is happening through the different channels that you have available already in your company. I think the notion of the changing platforms that's coming through and from this kind of user experience layer of this next generation of platform is about bringing together the things that the older generation of platforms couldn't do well. So things like social learning uh, or the ability to deliver bite-sized type learning, um, whether that's the resource type assets that we're creating. It's, it's a mechanism for helping to get that out in a structured way for the learner. Um, and the social learning channel is about the way of enabling collaboration. Um, it's become less of a buzz term and more of a, it's a, a core need. It's, it's assumed that it'll be part of the solution. Um, so I think that's started to evolve and mature quite nicely now within, within what people are saying and how they're using it. And that's starting to come through with what people are saying within the report. I guess to a certain extent, then, it's, it's about learner power. It's the extent to which uh, organisations are comfortable to empower their learners. Um, and it's not a, you know, it doesn't, not a criticism of organisations that don't want to empower their learners, but all organisations are different. So, Rory, what do you think that means in, you know, overall in terms of a, a shift in the, uh, the way things are going? My view would be there is a clear shift in how we meet the needs of learners. Um, one is to recognise and empower the learner in terms of understanding what they really want and understanding what true user-centred design actually means. Um, And I think that brings about a really exciting period of change within the marketplace. It's a really exciting time to be involved in that journey. People are really starting to recognise how they can start to empower the learner. Um, It's exciting because the change is starting to come through. We've seen a lot of noise in the past about all these different approaches to design, you know, whether it's uh, virtual reality, whether it's social learning, all of these kind of terms, micro-learning, all of these things have been kind of bounded around the marketplace. And people have been confused by which is the right learning strategy for them to to employ. Um, And I think what's starting to occur is that all of these things are starting to fold together into one unique kind of learning offer that is driven by the learner. It's driven by what the learner is actually asking for. And I think the things that we need to embrace as we go forward is to kind of enhance that and enrich that through thinking um, about things like learner experience, 
good UI, good UX to simplify products that we produce and simplify the learning offer. And that means about looking at process as well as the content design and all these other kind of things. So I think going forward in this year, it'd be good to kind of define what agile learning actually is. Um, and that's something that we can all work together, I think, in the industry to help the L&D profession kind of really explore. So I think going forward, we'll be looking at things like simplification, simplicity of design, maybe using behavioral science to define some of that in terms of how people interact with products and the learning offer. Um, I think it will also look at um, how easy it is to actually undertake the learning um, and actually drive that forward. And that to me means it's about good content design, it's about good learning design, it's about the application back to the workplace, that it's clear how I would use this learning, um, and that it's ultimately engaging and useful for the end user. If it's not useful, then I think they will just walk away from whatever is produced or whatever is out there in the marketplace. It's been interesting actually for me to consider the different visual design trends that we're looking at for 2018 and then thinking about how these insights play into those as well. So it's about thinking, of, I think the main thing that comes through obviously is that user experience is everything um, and that you can't make things that look amazing or you know are really fancy but don't have that underlying ease of use by the learner and also getting to those key messages. You know, We have a different role in learning and that we're really trying to teach people something. It's not just about seeing something and thinking that it looks nice. It's about making sure that people have understood the, what lies beneath it and are able to apply that in, in their real lives. So it's about kind of tying all that together for me. If you'd like to carry on the conversation with us, you can find us on Twitter at Kineo. If you'd like to read the whole of the Learning Insights report, you'll find it at kineo.com.